the kids present Kudos Kirby, a celebration of the journey of Jack Kirby's lesser known works. And here is your host, Angus. Welcome to Kudos Kirby, a comic's journey into Jack Kirby's lesser-known works. I'm Angus, and will be your guide through the monthly expedition to uncover those hidden gems from the King of Comics' over 20,000 comic book pages. We hope you enjoy this latest adventure in the journey. Star Spangled Comics. Fighting is fun when the Newsboy Legion tackles Triple Trouble in Playmates of Peril. Starring The Guardian. The Newsboy Legion with The Guardian by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Playmates of Peril. Ever know a playground could be a deadly place? Ever meet a cop so scared he coaxed kids to take his place on the trail of dangerous killers? Well, all you have to do is to move to Suicide Slum, to run into things like that, and even stranger ones. Or, if you prefer your present place of residence, read this wild tale of a day that started out so peacefully you could almost hear a stick of dynamite drop in Ralph's rough house, and ended with the luckless, lovable lads of the Newsboy Legion battling beside the awe-inspiring Guardian in one of the most amazing adventures ever put into words and pictures. And thus begins our Playmates of Peril story, coming straight to you from Star Spangled Comics, December 1942. Again, our writer is Joe Simon. Penciler is Jack Kirby. Our anchor is Arturo Casanueve and editors Whitney Ellsworth. Officer Jim Harper patrols during an unusually quiet day in Suicide Slum. Even his young charges, the Newsboy Legion, are staying out of trouble, sitting around on the corner with not a paper sold. It kind of makes Jim feel a bit uneasy, like the calm before the storm, as if, when is the next shoe going to drop? And... On cue, he overhears some not-so-nice-looking men talk about a big job being planned by Butch Baxter, a known gang boss. Maybe today wasn't going to be so dull after all. But, as a cop, there wasn't much that Jim could do at the moment. He needed to wait for them to perpetuate a crime. There's nothing illegal about talking. So, Jim does have an alter ego that can not have to wait like his police officer ego does. And that being the Guardian. In Butch Baxter's hideout, there is a gang of crooks and they're preparing for a bank job. And when their ceiling crashes, there is the Guardian. He knocks about and is swinging and he is using his shield. While all this is going on, the Newsboy Legion are sitting around bored out of their minds. And 
their rivals, the young gas house mob, led by a roguish kid named Sparky, comes upon them, and some taunting ensues, and some pretty nasty words are exchanged, and then a brawl between the two groups breaks out. And that was all it would take for the slums to basically wake up. Word of the fight spread high and far, and around until the police arrived then to break it up. The officers noticed that there was no sign of Jim Harper, though suicide slums were supposed to be his beat. When Jim returns, he is berated by his sergeant, who sends him to speak to the commissioner, warning that he could lose his badge for this. Thankfully, commissioner lets Jim off with a warning, but puts him on probation. For the next month, He'll be joined on his patrol by Sergeant Maroney. This definitely puts a bit of a damper on his activity as the Guardian. The next day begins with Jim on patrol with this Sergeant Maroney. On the other side of town, Gabby tries selling a paper to two goons from Baxter's gang. They push him around, and they're laughing as they talk in loud whispers about the job they're pulling today. Gabby hears this and runs to Jim Harper. But Jim was struck since, as an officer, he couldn't do anything to stop Butch Baxter until the crime had already been committed. He couldn't become the guardian, however, with Mulrooney watching his every move. So he decides to do something a little different. He asks Gabby if he and his friends could keep an eye on Baxter's mob. Then send word back to him if they do anything crooked. It was a cowardly sounding request coming from the man the newsboy legion, of course, believed to be the Guardian, but could never really prove. However, they kind of consider, hey, maybe we were wrong about Jim. And he's done them a lot of favors in their past. So they decide that they will trail the gang. So Tommy and Big Words follow two mugs to gangsters carrying a guitar case in which they guess is anything but a guitar most likely filled with guns while gabby and scrapper follow baxter himself until the two groups convene at the bank entrance now unaware that they have an audience the gangsters start to pull out their guns in preparation for storming the bank the newsboys go on the attack they surprise the gangsters drop their weapons momentarily as the kids pile on them with punches and they're kicking. But this ambush is short-lived as very quickly the kids are overpowered when Butch and the other crooks recover their weapons. The boys then feel they're headed to an early grave. Oh my gosh, we're now going to get killed. However, spying eyes of one Sparky, who is leader of the rival Gas House mob, he just doesn't sit right this was sparky and knowing that someone else is messing with his rivals so he mrs sparky goes to find jim harper and give him the word of what's happening now the boys are in danger however the guardian will come to save them right so jim has to take this risk he ducks behind a corner when the sergeant Mulroney wasn't looking and removes his uniform revealing his guardian outfit underneath. Now, then he dresses up a post with his police uniform to create a 
really crude-looking dummy or a stand-in in front of a payphone. So it looks like he's there and that he hasn't left the area. He's feeling, all right, maybe this is good enough to fool someone from a distance. So he takes off to save the boys. And at that very instant, there's a playground for children. Is where the boys will soon be victim to a deadly playtime. Playing to make their deaths look like an accident. So Butch Baxter tells his gang to give them a good whack while sliding them down the slide and swinging at them so forth. And before Gabby can slide head first into his death, the Guardian tackles Baxter while the crux backs her turn. Now, Tommy cracks him in the head with a swing while the Guardian finishes him off with a real punch there. And there's another thug, a gang member, who flies off uh, his face full in the air from the seesaw knocks him over and his gang is knocked out and the guardian doesn't even stay to chat he quickly takes off saying and he needed to hurry he would get back to his patrol and beat jim harper because he knows that that particular setup there is just not going to last long with that dummy so this ruse is discovered before jim unfortunately gets back but he comes up with a very good excuse, showing Sergeant Maroney that he had just been arresting Butch Baxter and his gang. And of course, he leaves out the part where he did it all as the Guardian. But it's enough to impress the Sergeant and get him off his patrol. So the next day, Jim brings Sparky over to get him and the newsboys to shake hands. Let these two rival gangs let bygones be bygones. A feat, it seems, that not even the Guardian here could end up accomplishing. This is an absolutely delightful tale. Really, really cool. The level of illustration is just right up there, consistent with what Jack Kirby has produced before. I really love these round pop-outs from the panels where... A lot of either conversation or thought is coming out of Jim's mouth or or from his mind. And I they're worked to great effect by Jack. An instance of this is this is too much like the calm before the storm. There's trouble brewing somewhere. And I, I those thoughts and and the use again of that circular pop out from the panel really really good I, I i love the creativity here that jack is demonstrating throughout this series and he really uses this to great effect so next in our stories we move on to star spangled comics volume one issue number 16 from january 1943 our writers here are both Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Our penciler is Jack Kirby. Our anchor is Arturo Casanueve. Our letterer is Howard Ferguson. And the editor on this one is Jack Schiff. And the story is The Playboy of Suicide Slum. And in this story, when a suicide slum kid goes Hi-hat. You can bet 
there's a story in the making. His pals of the Newsboy Legion can't understand why Tommy puts on the Ritz when society's millionaires adopt him as their pet hero. But when peril pounces, that's a thing they know exactly. How to handle, once again, the reckless lads. Plunge headlong into hazardous adventure. And in the end, it takes all the might and cleverness of the crime-crushing guardian to straighten out the strange case of the playboy of suicide slum. In a not-so-normal day on the streets of Suicide Slum, we have an exquisite limousine that is driving through the town. It is really ornate. A little girl wanders into the path of the vehicle. Tommy Tompkins of the Newsboy Legion acts fast to grab her, and he dashes her to safety. Jim Harper sees the whole event, and as the car's passenger, Willis Thornton, a banker, is impressed by Tommy's heroic act, Mr. Thornton promises that the fine young lad will be hearing from him soon. Tommy and his Newsboy Legion crew can only wonder what he meant by it. The next day, Officer Jim Harper is called in to meet with Mr. Thornton, who has a proposal. Mr. Thornton and his family want to adopt Tommy and raise him as their own son. Wow, this is very little orphan Annie-ish. Being the boy's guardian... Jim doesn't mind giving Tommy a better life as long as he was okay with it. Tommy wasn't sure how he felt about this idea. However, he could live a good life, never have to worry about money again, and he'd have a family. But on the other hand, he would be leaving his friends behind, and he wasn't exactly sure he'd be fit for high society. After weighing his options, Tommy finally accepts the Thornton's offer. Tommy says goodbye to Gabby, Scrapper, and Big Words with the promise that they'll each see each other again. But the Thornton Mansion is far away from Suicide Slum, and his new family will do their best to help Tommy forget about his old life. <laughs> Dancing lessons, he's given new clothes, friends from a higher social circle, and there are all sorts of things to lure him further away from his old life in suicide slums. Now, one day, Tommy takes his girlfriend to meet the old gang. While they act as polite as they can, she finds their ragtag appearance to be really, really distasteful. And they excitedly tell Tommy about the fight that they had the other day with another gang. Mm, this girlfriend is not quite... Uh, enough and says that you know she demands that Tommy take her away from these quote unquote filthy boys. Now, shocked that he was ever friends with them to begin with, Tommy then thinks, looking on them now, they seem rougher than he remembers. His former friends have to admit Tommy's turning into a high society playboy, as they say. Tommy's birthday celebration occurs in the mansion and is celebrated with a gala of entertainers and guests. And outside, there are three more visitors arrive. It's Scrapper, Gabby, and Big Words. They're carrying a gift they bought after scrimping and saving and putting together all of their newspaper money. Now, the Thorntons, Butler, makes the boys wait outside while he delivers the present. 
So the boys aren't even allowed into the mansion to see poor Tommy. And to ask permission to let the gang inside is what he's doing. Now, Tommy opens the box and pulls out a wild pinstripe suit, which he remembered was one he used to look at through a shop window and really, really wanted badly. However, the other guests look upon the gift with a lot of disdain. This isn't exactly the garb that high society would be wearing, saying out loud that they feel it's tacky and awful. Tommy faces a conflict. The Newsboy Legion have really been with him his entire life, but his new friends and family don't approve of them. Yet, the Newsboy Legion bought him a nice gift and really worked hard to pay for it. Though inviting them in might get him laughed at and scorned by his adopted family, the butler returns with Tommy's message to the gang. And that was, too busy at the moment to hang out with them. Hmm. Scrapper, big words, and Gabby finally take the hint and they leave. They go back to Suicide Slums and to their home. As they're walking back, the gang notices that there's a conversation about Tommy taking place in a fancy automobile on the bad side of town. It seems Mr. Thornton's nephew, Melvin Rudd, was concerned that his uncle was beginning to favor this new kid inheriting the family fortune over him. And he talks to a group of gangsters and sees if they could help him frame Tommy for something that gets him removed from the home. He then split his inheritance with them. That's the deal. Big Words considers warning Tommy, but Scrapper and Gabby? Nah. Let Tommy take care of himself. That's what they thought. And he didn't need them anymore. That night, while the house slept, Melvin opens the servant door for these gangsters. The Thorntons are robbed of their jewels and, and all of their expensive items, some of which is hidden in obvious places around Tommy's room. The following morning, the entire household is thrown into chaos. Mr. Thornton is about to call the police when Melvin tells his uncle that perhaps a certain former street orphan had returned to his old habits. Tommy's room is searched thoroughly, and there are traces of the stolen jewelry and valuables found in his dresser drawer and in the closet. Tommy is summoned to Mr. Thornton's study, and he finds Officer Jim Harper is there too. It's all Tommy can do to deny the accusations against him. He knew nothing about any robbery, and that was the truth. But his prior record of being a juvenile delinquent makes his credibility a little sketchy. So Thornton offers an ultimatum, that if he returns the rest of the stolen items by tomorrow, he'll be free to go back to the slums. But if he holds out, then charges will be filed, and he'll be sent to reform school. But how is he supposed to return something he never stole? The rest of his day is spent frantically 
as an outcast among all of these wealthy socialites. And they really, really are judgmental of him, sticking up their noses at him, and he is really feeling isolated as he's trying to figure out how can I possibly find these things that I never stole. Now, Officer Jim Harper runs into Gabby and the other boys, and they mention to him how they overheard this Thornton nephew planning to set Tommy up. Unfortunately, Jim Harper tells them without any evidence, there's not a lot that they can do. And then they're really, really stuck as far as how in the world are they going to help Tommy? Well, in his soon-to-be vacant bedroom, Tommy puts on the pinstripe suit that the Newsboy Legion had so, so diligently saved for, scrimped for, and sacrificed for. And he wanders outside just to think, how is he going to get out of this jam? He's been abandoned by his old friends, who now he thought they weren't good enough. His new friends are abandoning him because he's not good enough. If only he had stuck with his brothers in the Newsboy Legion, the way they were willing to stick by him. Now, he may have been an accidental or maybe fate, but this wandering brings him to the old corner of Suicide Slum, where Gabby, Scrapper, and Big Words are hanging out. He apologizes for how he had been acting towards them, telling them he will leave them alone forever if that's what they want. It wasn't. Gabby assures him they know all about the frame-up and that he's no thief. Scrapper pokes fun at Tommy for being a cryberry baby and Big Words promises that they'll help him clear his name and that truer friends he'll never find and that they will do their part. Meanwhile, Officer Jim Harper, he hasn't been idle. He knows that the law might not be able to help Tommy, but the Guardian certainly can. So he changes into his Guardian garb, he jumps across rooftops until he reaches the Thornton's mansion. All he needed to do was find Melvin Rudd, make him tell where the rest of the loot was. But for once, the Guardian has arrived a few moments too late. The newsboys find Melvin first as he's pulling out of the driveway in his car. They jump in the vehicle and hand Melvin a good beatdown. They really lay into him. Tommy gets behind the wheel as the others force Melvin to take them to where the stash is of the stolen goods. They end up turning into an alley in Chinatown, where Rudd leads them down a tunnel into the sewer. Onward through the dark, there's a grimy passage in the all go until it opens up into a room lit by a lamp. And there on a table are the jewels and the valuables being counted and inspected by a pair of these gangsters. The boys find themselves again in danger as Melvin lets the thugs take care of them. There was still, however, a little shimmer of hope. The Guardian found a note that could only have been left by big words. It was his typical coded phrases, which he's very good at doing. And we've seen this in previous issues where Big Words, when he was working for the paper, 
did a bit of a puzzle in the paper to send over a, a phrase to clue the others in the Newsboy Legion and Officer Jim to try to find him. Well, he's doing the same thing here. And he says, basically, look for the sewers in Chinatown. So that's where we find the Guardian. But he better hurry because the boys were about to go to a watery grave. So the mouth of this tunnel is opened up to a platform beneath the dock. Newsboys are being forced at gunpoint to either jump in the water or get pumped full of holes. Basically shot up. A third option, however, ends up presenting itself. When the Guardian appears, the tables are quickly turned on the gangsters. And they are bashed by the Guardian's shield. Scrapper swings a small anchor on a chain knocking Melvin off the platform, and he struggles to stay afloat, offering to confess everything if they save him. Well, guess what? Tommy, being the one on the hook, obliges and saves Melvin. Then later at police headquarters, Mr. Thornton tells Tommy how sorry he is for suspecting him. If he'll give them another chance, Thornton would find plenty of ways to make up this injustice to him. But Tommy, already, having had a taste of the good life, decides that he'd rather stay in suicide slums with his friends, the newsboy Legion. Tommy truly seeing that the real value in life are those things rooted in family and friendship. His family being the Newsboy Legion. This is another fantastic story. One with a great, great kernel, a, a nugget, a piece of wisdom, a, a jewel in there for a young person to take away. And that it truly is those friendships, those relationships that matter most over things, material things, which obviously Thornton could have provided to Tommy time and time again. The vibe in here is very much coming out of, or I shouldn't say out of, because we're, we're into World War II here. So we're in Depression era and then into World War II. It definitely has that little orphan Annie feel to it. You know, the Daddy Warbucks deal, plucking Annie. And here you've got Thornton plucking Tommy after witnessing that really courageous event. The art style in here, again, very, very consistent. The one thing that Jack has done, I've mentioned this panel work before. He, he maintains the creativity in the panel work, but something that also comes to mind, particularly in this issue, is Jack's portrayal of children is really interesting in the fact that th these kids tend to have mature faces, they're, they're almost mini versions of some of the adult characters that you would see Jack Kirby doing. So from that standpoint, it, it's a little amusing. They're almost like little men in this. But he gets the point across. And, and I love through the visuals that each one of the members of the Newsboy Legion physically reflects his personality oh so well and it really makes this a joy to read every time kudos kirby